For the next several minutes, we're going to have an opportunity to just kind of circle around two words uh, that we heard from the rather long reading earlier. Uh, and those two words are, are just the two words, just as. Uh, if we were to, to give that a definition, we, we might say two things about it, and then I'll give some examples of it. Uh, just as means to an equal degree uh, or in the same way. So um, uh, let me give you some examples of that so we can begin to get a feel for it. Um, our house is just as nice as theirs, right? It's to an equal degree. Uh, this is just as good as that, uh, to an equal degree. Um, an example of in the same way, um, he's signing his name just as he's always done it, right? He's signing his name in the same way that he's always signed his name. So just as is an important phrase, and, and we're going to be circling around that uh, for the next several minutes. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says this, love one another just as I have loved you. Now, if we just pause right off the top, how powerful is it? I mean, uh, the song that we just sang and, and, and to think about everything that's happening this night and, and into the next day, how powerful is it to, to just have a Jesus who says, I love you? To just kind of isolate those last, you know, couple of words there and say, I love you. That's what Jesus is saying to us tonight. We want to just talk about that word love. Love is huge in the upper room. There's kind of this big bookends of love that happens. Now, uh, when I say the upper room, let me just explain that. Uh, the Gospel of John spends a lot of time with what happens here on Monday, Thursday. So um, Jesus goes into this room uh, to celebrate the Passover meal. Uh, scholars, people smarter than me call it the upper room. I don't know. Uh, so Jesus goes into this room, and that starts in John chapter 13. It lasts all the way, really, until John chapter 17. Uh, it's not until after John 17 that they finally leave this room and this meal that they have had. And, uh, and then the guards come to arrest him. And, and, and we're going to see this, that, that love is huge when Jesus kind of pulls his closest friends and his disciples into this room to celebrate the Passover meal, uh, to start the first Lord's Supper. And, and he's not just doing that meal, he's also teaching them and telling them all kinds of stuff. And, and so, so um, love is a thing that he just keeps hitting on over and over and over again. Uh, it started right here in chapter 13, verse 1. Uh, let me read that to you again. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So just see what John is trying to tell us. He's saying, look, this is the, the last minute of the game, folks. Right? This is the final quarter. Uh, everything is sort of coming to an end. Uh, we, are, we are like on the last chapter of the book, right? We are nearing the end, and, and just see what's on the mind of Jesus. Love. He has loved them before this moment. He's going to love them after this moment. This is the last final moments, really, of his life. And what's on his mind? Love. Uh, we see the same thing at the end of chapter 13. This is kind of our, our key catchphrase. Uh, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
Uh, chapter 15, right, we're still in that upper room, still uh, probably around that meal, around that table that they have been celebrating, uh, the Lord's uh, Supper, the Passover meal. And, and, and so John chapter 15, love just comes over and over and over again. Um, we start in verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now he's telling them again, look, you are loved. Remain in my love. Rest in my love and love others. And then John chapter 17, right? That's the very last, in fact, the very last verse in the upper room. So we've spent all this time from 13 all the way through 17. And this is 17, verse 26. In the very next verse, chapter 18, verse 1, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come with soldiers, and they're going to arrest him. Here's what he says as he wraps up all the stuff around this meal on Monday, Thursday, Holy Thursday night. I have I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So just see this, right? The destination has arrived. <laughs> Jesus has an awful lot going on in this particular moment. Uh, he is the host of the meal. Um, he he, he or orchestrated where they were supposed to uh, go, and, and he's the one that's, that's, that's ordering the meal around. He knows everything, right? He knows that Judas is about to betray him. We saw that in the reading. He knows that Peter is going to deny him. And what's he thinking about? Love. God loving him and him loving us and us loving one another. See, what he does tonight isn't silly. <laughs> it's just loving. And he wants to show the full depth of the Father's love. John chapter 13, verse 34, love one another just as I have loved you. To an equal degree or in the same way, love others. So we have to spend a, a couple of minutes, of course, uh, talking about how he actually loved. And, and uh, there's different ways to interpret this and, and, and different things to say about how he actually loved. Uh, I'm going to just draw out two things for us that, that show us his love or the way in which he loves. Now, the first thing that he did, uh, John chapter 13, verse 4, it says that he laid aside his outer garment. Now, that's a really interesting thing. It seems like kind of a, a natural thing to do if you're going to get down and wash feet. But we have to kind of understand that that garment was, was sort of a, a status symbol. Um, we, we know that, uh, that, that, the, that the garment was a seamless garment. Um, uh, later on, John draws that out very specifically in John chapter 19. And the reason that he draws that out so specifically is likely because there weren't too many seamless garments in this time in history. Um, uh, a seamless garment meant that you were wealthy. It meant that you had some kind of status, some kind of power and influence. Right? Most of the garments of the day are going to be uh, uh, sewn together, uh, and you're going to probably have patches on top of patches <laughs> because uh, a lot of people didn't have a lot of resources. So look, this is a robe that has been uh, specifically made for him. 
And it's something that draws out just how significant he is. Uh, this robe uh, draws out the significance that he is a rabbi, right? That he is a rabbi that, that knows what he is talking about and he should be listened to. Uh, this is somebody who knows what he is doing, and so we should watch him. Uh, the robe draws out the significance of, of, of just what has been placed into his hands, right? Chapter uh, uh, 13, verse 3, all things have been placed into his hands. Uh, Jesus, we would say, is the most powerful man in the room. He's the most powerful man in Jerusalem. If all things have been placed into his hands, he's the most powerful man in the entire world. John chapter 13, verse 14, uh, Jesus says, hey, you call me teacher and Lord, and that is what I am. <laughs> Jesus is owning it. Everybody in the room calls him a, a rabbi, calls him Lord, right? That's somebody who has power and authority. And Jesus says, yep, that's what I am, right? Everybody in the room, including Jesus, knows that he is the most significant person in that room. Chapter 13, verse 16, uh, Jesus uh, talks about their, how, there's, how there's masters and there's servants. And there's no question in anybody's mind. Jesus is the master and everybody else is the servant. See, the robe is a bit of a, a symbol of his status, uh, that, that he is, is the one with power and influence. And what does he do with that power and influence? What does he do with his position, his significance? He lays it aside. Jesus is giving them just a little picture, a little glimpse of what he's going to do in a much fuller and more powerful way in the next 24 hours. He's going to lay aside his significance. He's going to lay aside his power. He's going to lay aside his influence. He's going to lay aside his life. And so knowing all of that, we have to just revisit that question. Do you love just as? In the same way, to an equal degree, do you love just as Jesus loved? And, and, and just imagine, what kind of world would this be if we loved just as Jesus loved? If we stopped trying to, to pick up and put on significance and authority and power and influence, if we out of love laid aside whatever power or influence or status we had, how would this world be a different place? John chapter 13, verse 34, love one another just as I have loved you. Uh, the first way that Jesus showed that love, the first way that he loved is he, he laid aside that outer garment. And then the second thing, of course, that he did is he, he got on his knees and he washed their feet. He served them. Um, he, he picked up that towel and a basin of water and he started to wash their feet. Now, we know uh, from John, again, that, that washing hands in, in this culture and is still in our culture is massively important. The first miracle that he does in John's gospel, uh, he's changing water into wine. And that was water that was used for washing your hands before a meal, ceremonial uh, hand washing uh, before a meal. We know that hand washing is important. Just see this, feet washing is massively important. If you're going to 
share a meal. Uh, we're pretty sure, uh, again, scholars, people smarter than me, they, they tell us that, that this is a, not a table like you sit at at your kitchen table. This is a low table. It's low to the ground. And they are likely reclining, sort of sitting down on their bottoms, uh, maybe even leaning up against each other as they are celebrating this meal and, and, and sharing this time together. And so just see that um, their feet are going to be very close to the table. If you're going to celebrate a meal that's meant to be kind of a, a holy moment, a special moment, it's important to wash your feet. Right? Here's why. They don't live in 2021. Right? They live in the first century where there's not paved roads and they don't have cars. And so they have animals that are walking in the streets. And animals have this tendency to sort of leave droppings behind them. And so if you are walking on an unpaved road where an animal has been walking, and you're maybe walking with somebody, you're doing the right thing, and you're having good conversation with that person, you're engaging that person, but you might accidentally, of course, step in something that the animal left behind. And so feet washing is just massively important in this day and age. Um, but, but it's not a pretty job. It's not a clean job. Obviously, it is a job of cleaning, a job of purifying uh, the people that are going to be sharing this meal. And this is, of course, the job of a servant. It would have been the host's responsibility to pay a servant or provide a servant for this job to get done. So just see this. Jesus is the host of the meal. Again, he's been preparing all the arrangements. He was the one leading the meal and kind of guiding the disciples through the Passover meal. And the servant that he is providing, that he's arranging for, is himself. And we just have to pay attention that he washes all of their feet. Judas is there. And he knows what Judas is going to do. He knows that Judas is about to leave. I mean, within minutes, right? Before we even leave the upper room in John 17, he is going to leave and betray Jesus. But as best we can tell, Judas is there, and Jesus gets on his knees, and he washes the feet of Judas. Uh, Peter is there. Uh, he's telling us in the reading that we heard earlier that Peter is going to um, deny Jesus, that he's going to pretend like he doesn't know who Jesus is. Nope, never seen him, never heard of him. That's weird. He's going to do that three times. Peter is in the room. Peter is interacting with Jesus in this moment, and yet Jesus is on his knees, and he is washing Peter's feet. We've just got to pay attention that, that Jesus isn't like, yeah, I'll wash yours and yours, oh, but not yours. He washes all of their feet. And of course, this is just a little picture, a little glimpse of what he's going to do in the next 24 hours. Uh, when he goes to the cross, his work there is to serve, and his work is to purify the ugliest parts the slightly ugly parts, all of our parts. He, he desires to wash us clean, and so he's giving them just a little glimpse of what he's going to do in the next 24 hours. And so again, we have to come back to that question, do you love just as? Do you love in the same way that Jesus loves? Do you love to the same degree that Jesus loves? Do you love just as Jesus loved? 
And we have to dream and imagine what kind of world would this be if we loved just as? If we stopped expecting people to serve us and we got busy serving others? Do you love just as? Um, we, we have to kind of hit a pause button in that moment, I think, and just take a little bit of, I guess, an introspection on ourselves. Uh, because I, I know for me, and I look at my own life, I, I often don't love just as. In fact, there are moments in my day, in my week, where I would say it's not very loving at all. And so what I want us to do is, again, something that we don't normally do on a live stream like this, but, but I think it's important for us to sort of just hit a pause button and, and just be real brutally honest with ourselves. Do I love just as Jesus loves? And so we're going to just literally pause for about 30 seconds, which is a, an eternity when you're just staring at a screen like this. But we're going to pause for about 30 seconds, and then uh, there'll be a, uh, an opportunity for us to admit our sins together with words that are on the screen. And I know it's maybe just you in your home uh, by yourself, and, and maybe it's just you and your family. But you've got to know that there are other people on this with you, and, and we're all going to be admitting our sin together. And so we're, we're going to just hit that pause, and then we'll be able to admit our sins together. Uh, and then uh, we won't leave you there. We're, we're going to come back and talk about the love and the forgiveness that Jesus has for us. So let's hit that pause and just take about 30 seconds and admit our own sin. Let's admit together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Let me just point you to, to three things. Uh, one of them we already talked about. I think it's important for us to remember who is in the room with Jesus when he does this whole foot washing thing to remember that, that he washed the feet of Judas, to remember that he, that he washed the feet of Peter. I, I just want you to hear this and to know that whatever is on your heart and mind, whatever you lack in terms of love, if you were in the room that night, Jesus would be kneeling in front of you and Jesus would be washing your feet because he desires to wash you clean and to purify you and to make you his. So remember who's in the room. The second thing that I would, that I would do is, is, is just ask you to remember why he came. 
Uh, just a couple of quick verses uh, that we haven't looked at and, and we didn't put up on the slides, but just listen to the good news, right? John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Remember why he came. He came to show love, the love of the Father. He came to love us while we were still sinners. He came to serve us. He came to, to, to wash us clean, not, not on the outside, but on the inside. Remember why he came. And the third thing that I'd like to just point you to, and, and, and this is a little bit dangerous because this is a little bit of, of a new thought, but, but I want to read a verse to you and then just kind of explain it. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, Christ had no sin, but God made him become sin. God did this for us so that in Christ we could become right with God. In other words, Jesus became just as us. And yes, he wants us to love just as he loved. But, but we've got to see this. He became just as us. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be reconciled to God, so that we might be put together back with God, so that we may be made right with God, so that we could know the true love of God. God loved us just as the Father loved us. His greatest expression of that is less than 24 hours away. And he, and he takes our sin, my sin, your sin, on himself. So with all that being said, we can have great confidence and great certainty that your sin truly is forgiven. I announce it to you today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.